Back to throw. In trouble. He's going to be sacked. No, gets away. He runs. Gets away again. Goes to the 40. Gets away again. To the 35. Cuts back at the 30. To the 20. The 15. The 10. He dies. Touchdown. 49ers Web Zone No Huddle Podcast. I'm Zane. He's Al. And we have what looks like Groundhog Day against the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle. 49ers took an early lead. We thought what would be a commanding lead, and they were clearly outplaying Seattle for the majority of the first half. Turnovers, bad penalties, mental mistakes. You throw in the typical missed calls by officiating that always happen in Seattle. And Russell wasn't pulling a game out of his butt like he usually does. And you have another 49ers loss, the eighth in 10 tries in the Kyle Shanahan era. And that's a season sweep for the Seattle Seahawks, who are dead in the water this year and probably have the worst team they've ever had under Pete Carroll, given, number one, the quarterback talent that they have, and number two, just what they've been able to do in the past 10 years. So, Al, are the 49ers back to what they were in the first half of the season, just like a team that's underachieving? Or was this just the Seattle voodoo that they have to face every year? Yeah, I mean, we're going to find out, I guess, in the next couple of weeks, right, what it is, because it did look like the Seattle voodoo. It looked like one of those typical games in Seattle where, you know, it just goes wrong and it just keeps going wrong. But it also looked like it did the first eight games of the season, sloppy, undisciplined, Mm -hmm. So we're going to find out with a big game coming up against Cincinnati if it was just a one-game Seattle thing or if the Niners just had a little hot streak and now teams are starting to figure them out, what they want to do on offense and to hurt the secondary and things are going to get out of hand. We're, we're going to find out. But this game this game was disappointing because, look, I've been preaching on the show and wherever else forever that the Niners have to start winning this year with this court. And a three-game winning streak, you play well for three games. This was a huge game on a lot of levels. It was a huge game to really, they could have cemented themselves in the playoffs in this game. And you're going to Seattle against as bad of a Seattle team as there's been in what the Russell Wilson era anyway. Mm-hmm. he's not Wilson is not 100%. DK Metcalf wasn't getting the ball. This is not a good Seahawks team, or it hadn't been anyway. And the Niners go in there and really... It should have been a lot worse than what the score was, Zane. Seattle, there's an interception that just, I don't know what Gerald Everett was doing, just pops up and lands mm-hmm. up in Quan Williams' hands before the safety. That that should have been a touchdown. And then the Niners had a chance at the end, but the only reason they had a chance because the Seahawks did what they did in the Super Bowl, you inexplicably, whatever the hell that was, try to throw the ball. It wasn't a throw, it was a shovel pass, but they fumbled that. All they had to do was run. Even if they get stopped, mm-hmm. they kick a field goal, they'd go up by two scores. It's an easy win. They made it much more difficult than they had to. So they gave the Niners second life, a Niners team that made mis- constant mistakes. Again, they couldn't convert third downs, three out of 10. The quarterback did not play well. Bad, bad turnovers. Until the last drive, he looked like the Jimmy that, you know, and that's the thing with Garoppolo. He's inconsistent. We'll get into that. But something, you mentioned the refs. and the, Nobody dislikes the refs more than I do, right? I think the refs are horrible. In week in and week out, they make horrible calls. And they made some bad ones this week. But people going out blaming the refs, I don't buy it in this game. Were there bad calls? Yeah. Did the Niners do stupid things? Yes. The Arden Key roughing Ugh, the passer, he literally so led with his head. I mean, in college, that you get thrown so out bad. for that. The second yeah. passer, the second roughing the passer on that drive, I, I guess you could argue, but he kind of fell on top of him and hit his head. All right. Could you have let it go? Maybe in my estimation. The Dante Johnson penalty, that was a bad penalty 
on Johnson. They just made stupid errors. Stupid. And it's really frustrating for a team that under Kyle Shanahan does this too much. So was it just the Seattle week? You know, the Niners own the Rams. The Seahawks own the Niners. It's just kind of the way it works. Was it just a Seattle week? Or is this team just not very good? We're going to find out. And I feel like, Al, you have to be able to win these games if you want to be a good team. Like, you, you have to beat the inferior, no matter who they are, right? You got to win those games. Like, you had an opponent who was on the ropes, and an opponent who is basically, their season is done, right? They have nothing to play for. But Pete Carroll got his group up to play that game. And I said that last week on the show as well, that if there's one game that Pete Carroll wants to win, it's that one on the schedule, specifically in Seattle. And every time they go up there, they play and they get embarrassed, except for two times. When, in 2011, when Alex Smith, and even then the game was not was, was in doubt till the end, he had Crabtree down the sideline with a 40-yard pass uh, that Crabtree got both feet in, and it was just like a, like you know in-the-bucket throw. Uh, and even then, like it was, it was in doubt. The, the famous Dre Greenlaw play, like that was – essentially a, a delay of game that put them out of that situation. Otherwise Marshawn Lynch scores that touchdown and the Niners don't win the division in Seattle that night. Right. Like, mm-hmm. so even when they won, they barely won up there. It's never been convincing. So Kyle Shanahan was brought here to, to beat basically beat Seattle. They were the Kings of the division and Kyle Shanahan was basically brought here to do that. And he has not been able to do that. Granted, he's had some pretty bad rosters and, and again, poor quarterback play, but he is the head coach. And it is his team. And you throw in four quarterback play where Jimmy just looked completely lost for much of the game. And you throw in terrible special teams play. Like of all the units out, the special teams unit has by far been the worst unit this year that we've seen. Like every game they're doing, they're turning the ball over. They're giving up a kick return for a touchdown. They're doing something stupid. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I, 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 I don't know what it is with that group. Right, like that. There's that Trent Cannon game where he just was he 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 kept dropping the ball, muffing kicks. Like I mean, they they had these mental lapses, and they they don't play the the three game winning streak. They they were playing complimentary football. All all phases were working. You can argue that special teams last week, yeah, like they they also dropped the ball again by giving up a stupid kick return for a touchdown. But right away, like you know, fake punt, seventy five yard touchdown, and he goes untouched. I, I I don't see. I don't know how that happens. So it was a complete team breakdown, Al. And that's what happens when you, when you lose to an opponent that's inferior to you. It's not just because like, oh, one phase broke down. It's because everything broke down. Because when you're clearly better than them, that's what it takes. And the, the part that frustrates me the most is that it's a psychological thing because, because of who's across the, the, the field from you on the other sideline. You have to beat this team psychologically for the ownership, for the coaching staff, for the fan base, for the players. This team has tormented you for the last 10 years consistently. Russell Wilson is 16 and four against them in his career. And you can say QB stats, whatever, like when's it not a QB stat, whatever you want to say, whatever. Russell Wilson led teams have won 16 out of 20 times against the 49ers. And it has been this team that has constantly tormented you. And you had a chance to end their season and essentially end this era and be like, all right, you're not making the playoffs because you got nine losses. Nobody's making and, and you're. You don't have any of the tiebreakers, so that's it for you. And most likely, that's it for Pete Carroll in Seattle. And they didn't do it. And too often, Al, this team falls short in those moments where they don't do it. And it's because of stupid reasons, because of bad execution, bad play calling, bad quarterback play. It's the same stuff every time. Like It looked, it looked the exact same way as any other Seattle loss we've seen. So 
you know, I, part of it is, yeah, I'm pissed that they lost to Seattle, but the other part of it is I like, they're just so inconsistent. Yeah. And, and, and that's it for me. Zane. I think you said it perfectly when you said this was another team loss and just like, like the Cardinals game, right? That was a team loss. Yep. They all played bad. They all looked bad. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the real scary thing to me. And I, I want to hit on one more thing before I continue about the refs. There was a lot of that I saw on Twitter too, that Sherfield was held. It should have been pass interference at the end of the game, at third down play in the end zone. Yeah. Were they grabbing at each other? Could you have called that? Sure. But they're not going to call that at that point in the game. And you know what? I don't want them. Yeah. Because it wasn't blatant. They were both fighting with each other. And Fred Warner kind of did the same thing in 2019 and didn't get called. And I don't want, I don't want a game to get decided on that unless somebody gets yanked down and it's obvious. They were kind of fighting mm-hmm. with each other. You can't blame, blame the officials for this game. This wasn't like a really hotly contested game and the officials made some really bad calls and it just screwed the Niners. The Niners played like garbage. Niners beat themselves. The Niners had a lot of stupid penalties. I just, I, I can't blame them. I, I, I hate the officials. I do. And Nick Bosa gets held every game and, 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 and the, they make calls every week that I think are ruining the league, but I do not blame them for this loss. Okay. Moving on. Special team stuff. You're absolutely right. At what point, how does Hightower still, how is he going to have a job after this year? He even came out and said today, it's not the player's fault. I didn't have them in the, there's no way they could have, um, defended that fake punt How, yeah. what that's your job dude yeah. and zane i've exactly. never seen I, you could tell me if you've seen something i don't ever remember the up back getting the ball and running virtually untouched on a fake punt like that in play. he could have run for I've 500 that. yards I, i've yeah, never I seen it i've never seen that yeah, yeah. It, like he got the ball and i'm like as soon as I mean, he's gonna score i'm like there's nobody near him yeah. there's nobody near him he just like i think he could have just moonwalked to the end zone it was, it was pathetic like how does that yeah. happen and it's breakdowns like that when people say like, oh, they're going to be fine. Like they'll go on a win streak and everybody's like, oh, they're going to go 12 and five. They're going to win the Super Bowl. No. Do you see what happens? Do you see the things that happen in these games? They are maddeningly, maddening, whatever the word, I can't even make words right now. Inconsistent team. They're inconsistent. They're not a Super Bowl team. They might make the playoffs, but they're going to go into Tampa and beat Tampa. They're going to beat Green Bay right now. They're going to be able to keep up with Dallas. You know what I mean? Arizona's just whooped them with Colt McCoy. Okay, they have the Rams number. Okay. But, I mean, come on, man. Come on. And I know we'll find out more in the next five weeks, but I I, I can't take them seriously. Not only this season, Zane, but as a regime. The Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch regime. I cannot take you seriously until I see consistency. And there's this notion in the league, even when you listen to people who do this nationally, like the night, well, Kyle Shanahan and the Niners are going to make a run in the Niners, this and that. Kyle Shanahan is 35 and 41 after 76 games. This is his fifth season and we are late into December and he has, he has had a winning record one year late into December. Okay. I need to see results. I know there's been injuries. I know there's been roster issues. It's year five before I have show any faith in low, this team's going to turn around and make a run. I need to see consistent results. Not a three-week run, not a pretty good month, consistent results, winning seasons, playoff appearances, multiple, not one and then we don't get there for six years, multiple playoff appearances, multiple winning seasons. It needs to start now. The consistency needs to start now. They need to finish the season with nine or 10 wins. What are they, six and six? At least nine and eight, they got to finish the season. Or to me, again, the heat is on. And they have two. Yeah. 
games you have to win against the Texans and the in the um, Falcons. And then we'll see what the other three. Right. But have to do it, Zane. Got to come out of the season with nine wins. Yeah, and that's why they had to have the Seattle game because this game against Cincinnati that is a good football team. That's an underrated football team. That's a scary football team over there. So, I mean, their, their past defense is really what, what's killed them. And we'll get into this Cincinnati game in a second. Uh, Bill Belichick's in my head right now. We're on Cincinnati, right? Like that's rolling. Because <laughs> nobody has heard that at all this week, right? Al? Nobody said that or heard that. But the, the problem here, I think that oftentimes a team mirrors its head coach. And we saw it in the Harbaugh era where he was super intense and the team was super intense and they, and he started the Super Bowl off super tight and the, the team started the Super Bowl off super tight. The Seahawks are this dirty, cheating, whatever team you want to call them, just like Pete Carroll is, right? And it, it very often reflects whatever your coach, whatever his philosophy is or his behavior, whatever. It makes sense, right? Because it's his philosophy. Mm-hmm. So the 49ers are inconsistent like Kyle Shanahan is, right? Where for three or four weeks, he'll just get into a zone. And he, we mentioned this earlier this season. He was like, oh, I'm not really like in a rhythm for play calling, right? And there's there's something to be said about that with the Trey Lance thing that I know I know that you want to get to later on. But the rhythm and all this stuff of play calling that Kyle gets in and out of, like the team also falls in and out of a rhythm too. Like there's no consistency with his play calling. There's no consistency with the team. The There's no consistency with any of the three units being cohesive. And again, it mirrors your coach because... Mm-hmm. One game, like he'll look great. He'll look like a genius. Like remember earlier on in the season, like he had Jimmy bootlegging left and right and all this stuff getting out of the pocket. And it looked great. And right. he was hitting all those throws. And I was like, all right, awesome. Why don't we do this all the time? And all of a sudden they just don't do it anymore. Like he's a statue in the pocket, right? Like it just, it, it, it just really boggles my mind why they have the quarterback, whoever it is, Mullins, Jimmy, whatever, whatever quarterback it is, they're always in the pocket. And I, and I tweeted this out earlier this week and Trey is, I guess the, the exception to this because, well, I mean, there's a, there's a limited sample size and he, maybe he just doesn't know enough to, to execute the entire scheme. But Al, when have you ever seen besides Jimmy's first year, a 49ers quarterback leaving the pocket and just like making a play on a broken play, just like making a play the way that most other quarterbacks do. Like you see any other quarterback and every other quarterback doing it, whether they're good mediocre, bad, whatever they are. The the one team that you don't see having quarterbacks make off-schedule plays is the 49ers. It's like when the scheme breaks down and the play is over, it's over. That's it. Either they're taking a sack, throwing a pick, or throwing it out of bounds. That's it. And that's to me, that's a huge red flag. It's like, why, why aren't they allowed to make plays? Why aren't they allowed to leave the pocket and make something happen? Like you've seen how it is with Russell Wilson. He runs around in circles, throws it up for grabs, and something happens. This happens constantly. Can you imagine Tony Romo? Like I, that's, that was the biggest comp for Jimmy, right? Tony Romo. Can you imagine right. what G- Tony Romo would have done if they just asked him to stay in the pocket the entire time? So that's, that's the one thing. And that's not, this is not a Jimmy thing. This is a, a Kyle with his quarterbacks thing. And my fear is that he's going to do the same thing with Trey, right? He's just going to make him a system quarterback and be like, you know what? This is the system executed because we know, we know how notoriously stubborn and arrogant Kyle is. We know this. So they mirror, they mirror what he, what he does and what he says and the way that he behaves. Like Al, I call this a Kyle Shanahan special because nobody does this more than him. Third and eight after the came on Williams interception, right? You got some life mm-hmm. third and eight. You're backed up way deep in your own end and you're still up by two and you decide to throw it out of your own end zone. And you're asking the right side of your offensive line to hold the block. Like that side of the offensive line just got destroyed the last two weeks. And you're throwing out of your own end zone instead of, you know what? 
I'm going to take this hand off this draw play, get a couple yards. We're going to punt it and, and live for another down. Right. My defense just forced a turnover. They've got momentum. Let's let's let them see what they can do. Instead, well, I would say they forced you, that turnover. <laughs> well, I mean, like it fell, it fell into the lap. So regardless, what a difference. It's a momentum shift, right? right? So regardless, rather than doing that, he throws it out of his own ends. And granted, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But it's like, why are we even taking the risk there? Look, you're backed up in your own end. Live for another drive. Take the punt, play some defense, get the ball back. If anything, you allow a field goal, you're fine. You're down by one point, but you still get the ball back. Instead, they took the they took the safety, gave the ball back, and I don't remember what happened. I don't know. If, I don't remember if Seattle scored on the next drive, but regardless, it's things like that game management stuff that Kyle has never been good at. And you know me; that's been my number one complaint about it since mm-hmm. he's been here is game management, situational football. He's terrible at that. And he's never gotten better, and that's why his teams are what they are because they're not good at situational football. And you mentioned his inconsistencies, and in, in the quarterback mirrors his inconsistencies as well. I'm trying really hard, Zane. And it's difficult because, look, we have a show to do every week, so we have to react on the game. So it may seem like we're living in the moment, and we have to do that for the nature of the show. But I'm trying really hard to look at things in terms of the big picture, right? So early in the season when they were 2-0, I was really worried about the big picture. I thought there were issues there. We'll get into that a little bit more later. But I thought there were issues, and I thought it was about to go off a cliff, and it did. Mm -hmm. And then they go on this win streak, and and, and I, I, I... Kyle changed something. The team looked different. And I, I was buying in. And I think I still am buying in. But I'm still trying to look at like the big picture here. I'm buying in in the sense that I think they're going to get in the playoffs. And I think 8 and 9 might get in the playoffs in the NFC. So it's not like I think they're going to be 11 and 6 and make the playoffs. I, th- I think they'll get in. But I'm looking big picture. And everybody, and it's okay. I mean, you, it's a week-to-week sport. But you live in a people can be prisoners of the moment. Like, oh, they look great. Everything looks great. And I think that started to happen with Jimmy Garoppolo where you got guys like Peter King, who, I don't know, I guess he's talking to his friends in the 49ers front office, and maybe he's trying to up trade value, I don't know, but saying on multiple different interviews that I saw, oh, there's Jimmy could be here next year. He's playing his way back here next year. You don't know how important two Mm -hmm. quarterbacks are. What, man? What? First of all, all right, let's get into Jimmy's play, and then we're going to get into, I was talking to someone about this recently, we're going to get to the human element of the situation, okay? Because it's not just about what's on the field, it's not just about statistics. It's not just about X's and O's. It's about the human element thing. Okay. First of all, Jimmy's play. Did Jimmy play well the last three weeks? Yeah, he did. He's been pretty good, but he's not 28 to 37 for 360 yards and four TDs good. You know, he's not Justin Herbert when he's on good. Jimmy in those three games averaged in the three wins, averaged 22 attempts and 160, 196 yards passing. The Niners averaged 42 rushing. He was competent. He made some big third down throws. He made some clutch throws. Well, let's not pretend he put the team on his back. Let's not pretend that he was doing anything that any competent quarterback can't do if you put good pieces around him. If you use his $26 million and put more good pieces around him. If you run the ball like that and play good defense like they had been playing, you're, you're going to win games. Like It wasn't necessarily him. Jimmy is starter in the NFL, but he is an inconsistent quarterback who is turnover prone. He's not super accurate, and don't bring me up always completing 68% of his passes. Even his completions aren't really that accurate, right? A lot of it is Kyle has schemed people open, and they can run after the catch, and, and, and he makes some accurate throws. He makes some good throws. Every quarterback makes some good throws every week. Do you guys watch? Do people watch any other games? You know what I mean? He's not doing anything that any competent quarterback can't do, and he's certainly not doing the things 
that special quarterbacks can do. He's not a special quarterback, and that's fine. There's only like 10 of them or whatever, right? Special quarterback. But he is, he is maddingly – well, I can't even say that word, Zane. I get so fired up. You know what I mean. He's incredibly inconsistent. Maddeningly. maddeningly. Right. Is that what I'm trying to say? I can't even speak English. Yeah. How do I have a talk show? Um, I mean, it's, like, it's almost like maddingly. You're, you're maddingly. It's almost like maddingly. Mad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to stop using that word on the air. I'm going to find something else. A different adjective. Um, but he's so inconsistent. So week to week, pass to you don't know what you're getting from him from pass to pass. Guy Haberman yeah. had to, I don't know if he tweeted or said it on his show, but he, they were like, every time the ball goes in the air and it goes off screen on TV with Jimmy, you're just like, oh my God, what's gonna happen? When he doesn't throw it more than five yards, oh, oh my, oh my God, what's gonna happen? And then I know I'm going on a rant here, but then I want to talk about the human element. Okay. If you're paying attention. And not looking at things through red and gold glasses. If you're paying attention to the reality of the situation. What did the 49ers do in the preseason? They gave Trey every chance to win the job. They literally ran them. They were doing a two quarterback system, right? Trey was not ready. Beginning of the season, Trey was coming in for red zone packages here and there. This and the other thing. You're pulling Jimmy off the field. The team was looked like they were in shambles. They were three and five. They looked disjointed. They looked like they didn't know what, what to expect next. They looked like there was something going on. Steve Young said himself, the issue is these players don't know what's happening next. Jimmy has a bad game. Is he getting pulled? Kyle looked in the mirror and said, this isn't working. And since then, he's pulled the plug completely on Lance. It makes no sense to put him in plays here and there and then pull the plug completely unless something happened behind the scene. Do, do you agree with that? Am I crazy? By saying that, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think there's there's that, but I also think that Trey also got hurt too, right? Remember, he hurt his knee. So, I mean, there could be that realization that, look, I can't use this guy as like a gimmick because he's going to get hurt. And at that point, like Kyle's career is no longer tied to Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Like when Jimmy first got here, we were like, okay, their careers were tied. Like he he was able to get that second contract and able to leverage the front office to to let him trade up for Trey Lance and sell the farm. But now his, his career is tied to Trey. So I think that that's part of it. I think that what you're saying is part of it as well. And it's a combination of things, right? Because something, something happened. We know this, right? Because they're no longer doing any of that. So we know that something happened behind the scenes, right? We can speculate on what it is, but the end result, the, the evidence is there that, that there is something that happened that and we, we really don't know what it is. You could see the disconnect on the field. I'm sorry. Look, I don't have any like inside information or anything like that. I will just, no one will ever be able to talk me out of it. I don't know that players went to Kyle. I don't know if Kyle just saw it himself. I have no idea. No one will ever be able to talk me out of the fact that Kyle said, oh man, I screwed up. And the only way I'm going to get this team back is if I commit to one QB. No one will ever be able to talk me out of that. I just think that's what happened. I, I think he had one thing in his head. And look, the mistake from the beginning, Zane, was to go into the season with two QB. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now you say, well, Al, Trey's a rookie, this, that, and the other thing. Is, is Mac Jones a rookie? Here's, here's what I think the difference is. The difference to me is that Bill Belichick has the resume. Bill John Belichick has the greatest resume ever, ever, but he has the resume to say, I'm going with a rookie. And if there are growing pains, so be it. Uh, we'll, mm-hmm. I know we'll turn it around sooner than later. A guy like John Harbaugh, and I don't remember the specifics of the Lamar Jackson's Lamar Jackson's rookie year, but I know he came in with seven games to play, and they didn't think they won six, seven, seven. John Harbaugh has the resume to do that. If Mike Tomlin decides next year, 
hey, we got a good team around us. I like this rookie QB. I'm going to play him. And if we take some bumps this year, we'll be good in year two. He has the resume to do that. Kyle Shanahan did not and does not have the resume to do that. So if Kyle Shanahan did that this year and the Niners went 6-11, and because Trey struggled, even if next year they would go 11-6, and there would be so much heat on him. He couldn't have done it. He couldn't have done it. And I, I think that's a, that, that's a part of it. So they just put themselves in this position with these two quarterbacks in this circus-type atmosphere. And all anybody did was ask, ask about it. And he said something today, Zane, that this is the kind of stuff that just dr- absolutely drives me crazy. I think it's pure BS. I'm sorry. I know I'm talking a lot. All right. So um, our buddy Jay Hutchinson from KMBR posted this. So Shanahan on if there was any pushback from players in using Lance and packages especially when Garoppolo was leading successful drives like first, like the first TD drive of the year. Shanahan said, no, I don't think the players really notice or think it's weird at all. I don't think that's a big deal at all. They don't notice that your starting quarterback and your leader of the team just drove the team 80 yards down the field and you pulled him out so your rookie quarterback can get the touchdown. The players don't notice. They don't think it's weird. They don't see that there's anything else going on. What, man? Mm-hmm. What? What does it even mean? To me, that's just such a, I don't know how people just don't laugh in his face when he says that. And I know he's not going to say like, yeah, you know, people were really angry, this, that, and the other thing, but they didn't notice. I don't know, man. Some of the stuff that comes out of his mouth and not the coaches ever tell the truth and a lot don't, but I thought that was utterly ridiculous. Of course they noticed. Of course it was an issue because it was a circus because no one stopped asking you about it. No one stopped asking Jimmy about it. No one stopped talking about it because of the mess that you made, because of you trying to replace him all offseason, because of you making the trade for a rookie and then keeping him on the team. And you know what? If, if they're six and seven after next week, it's kind of like, what are you doing? Again, you're probably going to make the playoffs, and I think that that's good. But you're, a, you're pretty much a 500 team with Garoppolo. You just kind of are. Right, I think he's like eleven and nine in his yeah. last twenty starts or something like that. I'd have to look, but it's something like that. They're only a couple games over five hundred. Just kind of what he is, man. So I don't know. The whole thing is just—it is still frustrating to me, and I just don't like—I don't like all the BS. All the people, oh, Jimmy's coming back. No, he's not. They're going to go through this again next year. Come on, they're going to go into the next yeah. off season the no. same thing. Who's your quarterback, Kyle? Come on, do people even use their heads, man? Do they just believe everything the Niners say? So there's there's a lot that I want to respond to. So I there's the, number one, Jimmy's not coming back next year. They're not they're not going to do that. Uh, he should not have been back this year. Like they should have. They had a trade for a second rounder, and they got greedy and they wanted a first rounder from New England. And Bill was like, "All right, fine, f you guys. I'm going to go take a rookie, like you said, and I'm going to win with them." And they're the number one team in the AFC right now. Mm-hmm. And it's not so much, honestly speaking. And people will be like, oh, you know, it's because you don't like, I, I don't have anything against Mac Jones. I just didn't think he was the right quarterback at number three overall, right? Like I didn't, like he's too, he's too similar to Jimmy to me to, to justify selling the farm for you had that guy right. So regardless like what I, what I'm saying is that it's not so much, it, yeah, it's Bill Belichick because he put his, his stamp of approval on it, but Al, it's Josh McDaniels that's making it work over there. And the difference between Josh McDaniels and Kyle is Josh McDaniels, number one, is better. And I've always maintained that. That's not because of what Kyle's doing now. I always said, like, you know, McDaniels and Kyle are, are one and two in this league in, in terms of offensive, uh, you know, play calling and stuff. But Josh McDaniels tailored his scheme 
to fit Mac Jones' strengths and to mitigate his weaknesses. The problem is, is and, and, he, and he's giving him enough stuff so that he's also growing as well. Because look, the first few weeks, Mac Jones struggled, right? He was like, he was not looking so great and, and he was struggling with some basic stuff and, and they, they really weren't getting what they needed out of him. The numbers looked okay, but like they weren't really getting what they needed out of him. And now you look closer and again, he's managing games. I mean, he threw three passes and won a game. And on, on Monday night. And first of all, I think that's, that's hilarious that that happened. But he threw three passes and won a game. And it's because the team that he's on, similar to what the 49ers did with Jimmy in, in the playoffs in 2019, the team around him is very good. And they know what they need. They need, uh, uh, they need for Mac Jones to be able to get him to, to, to succeed. And the problem is, is that you're entering a period where Kyle is still treating his quarterbacks, quarterbacks, right? That's all of them, like they are rookies and that they cannot handle more than what he gives them. And that's the problem. And that's why you see coaches like that that are successful. Because look, Jimmy Garoppolo was a different quarterback in New England than he is now. It's a fact. Go back and look at the film, right? We have tons of people that love to watch film, right? The all 22 warriors, right? So go back and look at the film and look at Jimmy when he was in New England and look at what he is now. He's a different quarterback. So when it comes down to the clout and all that stuff, yeah, absolutely. Bill Belichick can do that. Yeah. He 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 put his nuts on the table and he was like, All right, I'm drafting, I'm drafting a rookie and he I'm gonna win with him, and he is. But like Kyle doesn't have that number one, he doesn't have that clout because he doesn't have the track record. And number two, he doesn't have the system. Everything about everything about him is that it's his is his scheme. And if it doesn't fit his scheme, it's not going to work. And oh, the scheme does this. The scheme does that. Like Al, like I would love the 49ers to just like out athlete somebody. You know what I mean? Like right. they just rely on scheme to beat everybody, right? And that's the problem is that in the Super Bowl you needed to out athlete them because they were they were faster than you were, and they couldn't do that because the scheme broke down. All of a sudden, the scheme breaks down. And then you have the fourth quarter collapse of the Super Bowl where they can't even move the ball. And that's never going to work in this in today's NFL. You it's it's a game, it's a player's game. It's not a coach's game. And players will win the game. And superstars will win the game. That's why superstars are winning championships. And that's why the teams that have like, oh, we're a solid team, but we don't really have any star players. That's why those teams don't win. So the only exception you could say is like, well, the Eagles, right? They beat Brady, but I mean, like, that was a one-game thing. Right. So it, it comes down to the, the ability of Kyle to be able to adapt his scheme to what the player's strengths and weaknesses are. Not like, oh, you're not good at this, so I'm just not going to do this at all. Like, that's not how you develop a player. You don't just hide their faults. Like, Al, if, if your son can't throw a curveball, are you just going to be like, oh, I don't, and he's a pitcher. Are you just going to be like, I don't ever want you to throw curveballs to get guys out? Like, no, like, you, have to, you have to work with him on it right. and teach him how to throw it. And he's going to give up a few home runs, but it's like, all right, we're still going to work on this. It's, you know. Kyle doesn't do that with his with any of his players. It seems like it's just like it seems like all right, you're gonna you're gonna fit the scheme, and if you don't, you're either gone or I'm gonna diminish your snaps or I'm just gonna I'm just not gonna give the ball to you. And that's really unfortunate. It's scheme scheme trumps everything for Kyle, and that's that's one of my biggest problems with him. Yeah, and he said something too today in in the press conference that um, he was asked by George Kittle wasn't on the field for a critical fourth and one play at the end of the third quarter. He said because we don't want him for that play. It's schematic stuff has to do with with what we think people are best at 
George Kittle's pretty good at everything. Um, yeah. So, you know, that's kind of like, you know, the smartest guy in the room type type comment. And I just think he's just, he's done a lot. I don't think he's had a good year overall. He's done a lot of things that, a lot of things that deserve criticism. I think it's okay to criticize him, man. I just, again, I always say that the people with the red and gold glasses, I've had multiple, someone told me this today and I've had multiple people tell me this. Steve Young said, said earlier in the season that after the Niners had won a game, he was like, that's great. But what, what we talked about earlier, the Niners don't know what's coming next. That locker room doesn't know what's coming next because of the quarterback controversy and things like that. And people, again, multiple people have told me, well, Steve Young doesn't know anything. He's not in the locker room. What does Steve Young know? Zane, you've heard of Steve Young before, right? Yeah, yeah. I've heard, heard of that, that guy. guy. I think I've heard of that guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think he knows a lot and he's probably still pretty tied into the organization. So I think Steve Young knows what he's talking about. I know random person on Twitter. I know you believe everything Kyle says. Steve Young knows what he's talking about. And that's just, I just feel like I, I just see things with this team that in the big picture scares the hell out of me. And, and, I, and I gave Kyle a lot of credit last week on the show for, for, for looking in the mirror and, and maybe changing some things. And I'm not saying one game has, has changed that. But man, I, I got to see moving forward that, that he's learned from his mistakes and getting some consistency. I, I, I have to. They have to finish the season strong. Or, or, or the heat's, the heat's going to be on here. And again, if they make a playoff run and they're nine and eight and they get smoked against like Tampa or something, great. To me, that's still a decent season. Um, it, it really is. If they have a winning record and make the playoffs, I'm fine with it because the Niners never have a winning record and make the playoffs. People thought mm-hmm. they had Super Bowl aspirations this year. I, I, I thought that was crazy. They're not, I don't think they're a Super Bowl team, but they could have been a playoff team. So ho- hopefully they'll get there. Something that could derail them from that saying is I think this is the biggest injury they've had. In, a while to that defense losing Emmanuel Mosley has been incredibly underrated this season. He's given up a touchdown and like 51 targets or something like that. He's got a high mm-hmm. ankle sprain. He's going to be out for multiple weeks. Combine that obviously you have no Jason Verrett. So your starting corners are going to probably be some combination Josh Norman and then some combination of Lenore or um, Dante Johnson against a Bengals team that has Jamar Chase and T Higgin, Tyler Boyd, and we run the ball with Joe Mixon. You better hope Joe, Joe Burrow's finger is um, still hanging to the side because that can get a little bit rough. And that can derail this team. It can. I still think Atlanta, I guess. I mean, hell, Atlanta beat them in 2019, and we didn't think that could happen. But there's no way in hell they Texas. I'm pretty sure me and you can go out there and Texas. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, eight and nine might get them in, but they got to win one of those games against Tennessee, L.A., and, and Cincy. So we're, we're going to see how big this injury is. But, Zane, when I saw that, that was like, oh. That's one I, you know, I I don't know if they can overcome. We'll see. Yeah, that's 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 a tough one because the the secondary really has been performing, and it's funny because you don't hear their names very often, and that to me, except for Josh Norman, but that to me is the ultimate testament of a secondary. Is like if you don't hear them called very often, they're doing their job. Mm -hmm. And Mosley has been really really good. Um, He started off a little bit shaky, and like he was giving up. He was getting some yardage and some completions and stuff like that uh, earlier earlier on in the season, and he, and he took some time to to kind of get back into the swing of things. But then once that happened, after the first two or three games, he, his performance really took off. And again, like no touchdowns allowed, dropped a couple of, dropped a couple of easy interceptions, you know, here and there. But I mean, that's you know they're, they're cornerbacks for a reason, right? They're not receivers. But mm-hmm. you have to dig deep now because you have. You have Dante Johnson 
who is, you know, I don't know. You can call him Dante Johnson. The guy, <laughs> da, yeah, I mean, you know, he's he's Dante Johnson, right? Like he's he he just never dies. The guy never goes away, right? Like they'll they'll release him next week and they'll resign him at the end of the season. But Dante Johnson and Josh Norman, who's been so inconsistent, like that's my guy who's maddeningly inconsistent. I said I said it right. Yeah, okay. You yeah, said it way right. better than I said it. I tried to say it five <laughs> times. So I couldn't say it. He's he's uh, he's so inconsistent, and you know the the peanut punch is great. But the fact that this guy gives up catch after catch after catch and, and easy stuff too, it's just it's just so frustrating. So and Lenore got picked on a little bit again, and I think that that's uh, as we step back a little bit and look at this from a from a high level view, Al. That is the the risk of playing a rookie early and having him succeed, but like just randomly sitting him, is that they lose that momentum and that confidence, mm-hmm. right? And the, like you're not these guys aren't robots, right? They're human beings, so they're creatures of habit. And if they're all of a sudden, you know, taken out of the lineup after doing well, they're not going to just pick up right where they left off. They're going to take time to ramp back up. And that's what you saw this past week with Lenore. He got picked on a little bit and that's going to continue to happen until he steps up again. And he had a good first few games of the season. Like after Verrett went out, like he had a good stretch there, but I mean, inexplicably he got benched for Drake or Patrick, who's not even on the team anymore. And then Mosley came back and, and, you know, the rest is kind of history. But again, guess what happens? You, you turn back to him and now, you know, he's, he's on shaky ground. Not, not like he, he, he doesn't have the confidence he had at the beginning of the season. So I don't know, Mal, like just, just the, just the management of the roster. And then we sound like we're gloom and doom. It's funny because last week we're all like flying high and everything. It's not, it's not so much we're gloom and doom. It's just that the problems that I hoped would go away with that three game winning streak, like they cropped right back up against Seattle. And it's the same stuff that we've been seeing all season. So like the roster management, the playing time, all the stuff, play calling, Jimmy being bad, the special teams being terrible, mental lapses, stupid penalties, like that stuff just all of a sudden crop back up again. So I don't know, Al, like it's going to be interesting. I, I, I do want to get to this, this Bengals game, um, you know, game balls, unless you have something, unless you have something else to say about Seattle. Yeah. A co- couple more things really quick. Um, Yes. Just talking about injuries quickly, Elijah Mitchell has got a concussion mm. and his knees banged up. That's like he said, that's like the four different injuries now this year. Guy's great. Yeah. Love Elijah Mitchell. Only he had 84 scrimmage yards last week. He leads all rookies with 98.3 scrimmage yards per game in his 50 plus scrimmage yards each of his first nine games. We've been talking about different stats for him every week. Terrific running back, runs hard. He's going to get hurt a lot. And you're starting to mm. see teams sort of clog the middle of the field against Jimmy now. I think you're going to keep seeing that and they're going to have to run the ball. And right now you got him hurt. You got Jeff Wilson hurt. Trey Sermon's on IR. Hasty's pretty much your only healthy running back right now. So that going into this Cincinnati game, that scares me too. Um, if we're just rolling with Hasty, and God forbid if Debo isn't back, we're ho- they're hoping he's going to practice. We're recording this on a Wednesday. They're hoping he's going to practice on a Thursday. Um, mm-hmm. But if Debo's not back and Hasty's the running back, all of a sudden that running game may not be what you want it to be. And then you're putting the ball in Jimmy's hands. And if it gets into a shootout with Cincinnati on the road, we'll see what the weather's going to be mm-hmm. like there. It's probably going to be cold. Let's see. Let's see what happens. But this game, they're, I still they're not thought this game it. was worrisome. I'm really, I'm really nervous about this one now. Yeah, they're not winning it if Jimmy has to throw 40 times. Like, they're not. Well, they that's usually not never happen. do. Yeah, that's not going to happen. And that may be what happens if they don't have any healthy running backs. Like you can't execute your scheme if you don't have health there. So, mm-hmm. uh, I yeah, 
And the right side of the offensive line has been just a turnstile. Tom Compton sucks, and just like we thought he would. Jalen Moore, um, I mean, I thought he played well in his limited time, but but they went back to Compton and and you know, Brunskill's getting run over again. And it's just uh, you know, Aaron Banks is is on the bench, and it's just it's just so frustrating, Al, because that whole as a, I, I just want to take it aside here real quick, if you don't mind. Aaron Banks, they drafted him. It drafted him and they, they passed on Asante Samuel Jr., right? And now look what happens. Aaron Banks is on the bench and basically a healthy scratch every week for a right side of the offensive line that is not very good. And Asante Samuel Jr. is, is for the most part, lighting it up with the Chargers. So things like this, it's just, it's just so obvious that, that that had to be the move in the draft. People are like, oh, you're looking, it's, it's hindsight's twenty twenty, But like that was the move at the draft that you should have made and he was there for you. And they overcomplicated it and, and things like that, that trickles down because now it's affecting the roster because you don't have any healthy corners. So, and, and relying on Jason Verrett to stay healthy when he's never stayed healthy, you give him a contract and it's, it's things like that, Al, again, systemic problem. So right. again, like as I, as I return from that tangent back to, back to the game, really, if they have to, th- I, I like this Cincinnati game scares me. They, to me, they had to split against Cincinnati and, and Seattle and the split had to come last week. Because I was like, I don't think they'll win both. Because I, I don't, I just don't believe they're they're that good of a team to to win like that in, mm-hmm. in two hostile environments. So, what? How are you going to win this game? You have the pass rush has to get home. Like Nick Bosa, basically Bosa save us pretty much. Bosa and Kittle, it, you know, hopefully they save us. And it depends on what Kyle Shanahan shows up. Is it going to be the Kyle that's like the mad scientist and schemes up everything to win, or is it going to be the inconsistent? I don't know what to call. I'm calling weird plays and weird situations, Kyle, where I'm having the, the the my best player off the field on a fourth down, or calling back-to-back plays at the end of the game in the red zone when you need a touchdown to your to your wide receiver three when you have your first round wide receiver in Brandon Ayuk, your all-world tight end and George Kittle, and a fullback who can basically win any matchup that's not against a, a corner out there and Kyle Yushek. So really, it, it really depends on what what Kyle shows up to me, Al, honestly, like, cause he, he is the difference maker in a game like this. Well, I think in moving forward to, you mentioned splitting the games. All right, let's look at, let's look at the playoff picture here. Okay. The Niners are currently in the seventh spot, right? Mm-hmm. So Washington's in the sixth spot at six and six. Washington has left Dallas twice. They have the Eagles twice and the giants. I'll say a mm-hmm. split with the Eagles. They beat the giants and they split with the Cowboys. I don't think so. I don't know, man. I'll give them eight and nine. Yeah. Okay. Eagles are six and seven. The Niners obviously beat the Eagles. So the Eagles have left Washington, the Giants, and the Cowboys last week of the Washington twice. The Giants and the Eagles in the last game of the season, or the Cowboys in the last game of the season when they probably won't have anything to play for. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give them three and one. I think Jalen Hurts sucks, but I'm going to give them three and one. So right. that gets them to nine and seven. All right. So say. So you're nine and seven, eight and nine. I'm not worried about the Vikings. Mike Zimmer is going to get fired. But the Vikings mm-hmm. have the Steelers, the Bears, the Rams, the Packers, and the Bears. They, they beat the Bears twice. Maybe they beat the Steelers, and then they lose to the Rams, and the Packers. So that gives them eight and nine with the Niners down. Here's the other team, Zane. You ready? I'm not worried about the Panthers. I'm not worried about the Falcons. I'm not worried about the Saints. You ready for the rest of the Seahawks schedule? The Seahawks are four and eight, right? They have mm-hmm. the Texans, the Rams, mm-hmm. 
the Bears, the Lions, and the Cardinals the last week of the season when the Cardinals won anything to play for. Yeah, it it's funny that you it's funny that you say that because I thought I, I thought this, but I didn't tweet it. Uh, it's sitting in my drafts, but I was like, you know, I was thinking to myself, like, just watch Seattle run the because the football gods hate us, right? Just watch the Seattle run the table and <laughs> beat out the 49ers for the last playoff spot because they're Seattle and F those guys. But I think I think again, which is why one one loss to them would have been basically a death blow because that's it at that at that point, right? So I'm hoping I'm hoping for them at least the Rams or somebody can come through like it, you know maybe maybe Chicago can come through with Justin Fields playing but I mean Seattle's a bad team too right like they're not a very good team so right uh, I, so I mean we'll they to, could so lose, we'll easily to. lose to the Rams um, but yeah, if they get to eight yeah. and nine and the nine here's the thing about the Niners though too if the Niners end up at eight and nine they don't deserve to make the playoffs if they can't beat no. one of the Rams Titans and Bengals they don't well so mm-hmm. you know it's one of those things so. We'll see. I mean, it's never easy, right? If they won this game, they were they would have been in. They beat Seattle because you're. I think you're going right. to beat the Falcons and you're going to beat the Texans. Then you're at nine wins and you're fine. But now they've made it dicey for themselves. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's rough, man. Really, really, it really is. But I don't know. Game balls. My game ball would go to George Kittle because I've been waiting for them to use him like he deserves to be used. He was a monster in this game. I love when he catches the ball for eight yards and it seems like he's just shot out of a cannon for 10 more before you even know what's going on. Um, yeah. It, you know, he's 20 yards down the field after catching a three yard pass in the blink of an eye. Guy's unbelievable. Um, I want to see them feature him a little bit more. He's starting to score touchdowns now. He's got five touchdowns. Since he came back. Uh, been a monster. He is a monster. He's a blue chip player. Get the ball in his hands more. Um, you know, I want to see all three of the, those guys. Ayuk, Debo, and Kittle. All have big games. All be involved, not just one at a time. Get them all. Get the ball in their hand constantly. Three of those guys. You can, you can run on sweeps too. Hell, Kittle can run on sweeps. Run them all if you have to. Get the ball in their hands in short passes. Just pepper those three guys. That's what I want to. See. But Kittle will get my game ball. Uh, I'm gonna give my game ball to Nick Bosa. Twelve sacks this year. Just I mean, people people had had this debate with people on Twitter. He hasn't had any help on the defensive line. Like we talked about this last week, the next, the the next highest sack number on the defensive line was three, right? I believe Arden Key had has mm-hmm. three at this point. Like he's got literally no help over there, and especially across from D Ford being out, and people are arguing saying Armstead has been helping him and stuff like that. The PFF grade that's that's great, but you still got to get home, and PFF stuff is nice, but like you still got to get home. So Nick Bosa is carrying that defensive line right now, and if he can, he is the difference maker, right? He's everything we wish he would be. Coming off the ACL, like can't say enough about him. So Nick Bosa gets my game ball. All right. And then this week coming up, um, I don't, unless Joe Burrow's hand is really hurt, unless that, and that finger did not look good when he did it, when he finished the game. But unless Burrow's hand is really screwed up, I think Cincinnati's going to win this game. I, I just think they're going to score a lot of points. And I don't know, unless the Niners can do a game of keep away. And if Elijah Mitchell is not healthy, I don't know if they can do that. Um, I, I just see six and seven. So we both were wrong last week. I said it would be <laughs> a not close game. And it was like a not close game the other way. Um, I was right. Man. Didn't I say it was going to be a close? Oh, no, I guess I was wrong. You said it, was gonna really be... it wasn't a close game. Well, I mean, you said it would be a close game, but you said the Niners would win, right? We both said Niners. Yeah. Oh, I did say they would win. You're right. You're right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was definitely yeah. wrong. So... I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the Niners win because they have to, like they they have to win. 
Like this is mm-hmm. a must win game now at this point. Like if you lose this game and you go to six and seven, all of a sudden, like, look, you, you need to win three out of basically you need to win. You, go, you need to go three and two at this yes. point right. to be able to get in the playoffs. Right. Those two wins, like, I don't want to say that they're wins, but like you, you let's say that we'll just say we give them Atlanta and, and Houston. Right. So that means you have to be one of uh, the, the, uh, uh, the, the Bengals. Mm. Um, and basically, I mean, you have one other game than you have to, that you have to pretty much win. Right. So really like you have to go one and one in the remaining games that you have to basically what I'm saying is that with those two wins, you have to go 500 with the other two games. Right. That's right. what we know. So this Bengals game, they have to have it. You got to have this. We wanted to get a split. The split has to come here. Kyle has to come, become elite Kyle, and they have to get this win. So, anyways, I'm talking too much. I'm going to say they're going to win. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So we'll see. It's going to be a big game. I think it's going to be a season-defining game. Um, I, I would love to see how they respond again. If it, if it was just a Seattle thing, or if if the ghosts of early in the season are coming back to haunt them now, and there's going to be some mm-hmm. issues, and we'll see what happens with that secondary, but. Um, big game. They're all big games right now. It's fun. Fun to have big games this late in the season, but you know, you wish you were fighting for a division, I guess, instead of a tough spot in the wild card. Mm-hmm. But um, we will see. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. For Zane, this is Al. See ya.